We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. Parshat Sav uh, is in some senses a continuation of last week's Torah portion by Yikra, which uh, talks in details uh, the different kinds of sacrifices that would have been brought in the Mishkan the tabernacle and later in the temple that uh, stood in Jerusalem. And Sav uh, begins in some sense by continuing that conversation, offering us uh, more details about how to offer uh, those, uh, those sacrifices uh, and, uh, and more of the uh, uh, minutia about the functioning of the tabernacle. But when we get to chapter 8, the text shifts gears a little bit uh, and Begins this way. God spoke to Moses saying, Take Aaron along with his sons. Take him. The active here is Moses. And he is to take Aaron and his sons. And the vestments, the priestly clothes, the anointing oil, the bull of purification offering, uh, the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread. And also the whole congregation, assemble them at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And so Moses did what God commanded him. He gathered the whole uh, congregation uh, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. What is happening here is what you might call the installation of Aaron and Aaron's sons into the priesthood. In the verses that follow, what we have is a description of what the installation ceremony would look like. Primarily, the actor here, the active participant, is Moses. Moses is to take the vestments and the clothing and put them on Aaron and, uh, the, and Aaron's sons and then to place them in service in the Mishkan, where they'll offer uh, various kinds of offerings. Uh, Moses will anoint them with oil, will uh, take some of the blood of the offerings and place it on them as uh, marks of, uh, of consecration. Uh, and then they are to sit in, in uh, guardianship of the tent of meeting for seven days um, as, the, as the Mishkan, as the tabernacle, is consecrated for use for all the Jewish people. This Torah portion is known in rabbinic lore as Parashat Miluim, as the portion of Miluim. That's the ceremony that's taking place here for Aaron and his sons, is uh, the ceremony of Miluim. That's the Hebrew word. Some of you who are familiar with uh, contemporary uh, state of Israel might recognize the word Miluim. Miluim in contemporary Hebrew is, anybody know? Good. Reserve, reserve duty for the army. Good. Reserve duty for the army. And there is a sense of that here for Miluim that what is most needed and what is core to this text is 
Aaron and his sons showing up and reporting for duty. And that's primary. They're not really active. They are just present. And their presence is what is central to this text. They, the, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, cannot be fully consecrated, cannot be fully operationalized until Aaron and his sons show up, report for duty. But Miluim also has another usage in Hebrew, which I think is actually uh, much more to the point of what the text is teaching us here. Miluim in Hebrew is uh, the is like the placement of a stone in a jewelry setting, right? So I, uh, when Adira and I were thinking about getting engaged, we went to the jeweler and we looked around the room to see which style of ring she might like. She, you know, picked out a few, and then uh, I ultimately picked out the one that she chose, which fortunately was one that she liked. Uh, <laughs> but then I also had to pick out a diamond to put in it, and the ring wasn't complete until I picked out the diamond and the jeweler placed the diamond in the setting. And then the ring fulfilled its function of being an engagement ring. It's not an engagement ring unless it has a stone in it, apparently. So, um, (laughs) a big one, ideally. And that's what miluim also is in Hebrew. Before it was used in the way modern uh, Israeli Hebrew uses it for reserve duty, it has the sense of placing a stone in its setting such that the piece of jewelry is not complete until the stone is in place. That's the essence of miluim here. That usage is actually used in this context. Uh, there's avdei hamiluim. The stones of the uh, breastplate that the priest wears um, have to be inserted in, have to be set, right? And so they are avnei hamiluim. They are the stones that are set into the breastplate. And the mishkan is not complete, so the tabernacle is not complete without priests to officiate in it. The priests, of course, are not complete until they're garbed in the proper garb, until they report for duty, until they show up, and until they uh, meet the criteria that is laid out in this Torah portion for how they are to function in the tabernacle. That's the essence of tzav at the beginning of the Torah portion, the commandment. And at the end of the portion, it's vayas aharonu vanav et kol hadvarim asher moshe. Aaron and his sons did all of the things that God commanded in, uh, uh, through Moses. Rashi points out about that, that the text goes out of his way to say, that Aaron and his sons did those things uh, to show the greatness of Aaron and his sons, that they did not deviate from the commandment right or left. Not only do they show up for duty, not only do they report for duty, but they are devoted to to the responsibilities that they have. And the tabernacle cannot be complete until not only they show up, but until they also fulfill their responsibilities. And so you might ask yourself, okay, well, we don't have a tabernacle anymore. We don't have a temple anymore. Why is this relevant to us? Remember also what the Torah says about all of us, about the Jewish people, that we are mamlechet kohanim, We are a nation, a kingdom of priests. Each and every one of us, in some sense of the word, functions as a priest or priestess in this world. In the absence of a temple, the temple, as those of you in my Midrash class know, the temple was a reflection of the world, was an embodiment of the entire world. 
And so in the absence of a temple, what we have is not a tabernacle, but we have a world. What we have is not a priesthood through the line of Aaron and Aaron's children, but we have all of us and each other. And so we have all of us, miluim, reserve duty, the call of duty. We are all of us commanded in the sense of this Torah portion to show up and report for duty. But what is the duty that we have? What is the mitzvah, the commandments that each of us have? Each of us has the commandment to ensure that this world is functioning the way that God intended it. And that's why we have the mitzvot. And why we are told to not only show up for duty, but to be devoted to our duty, to be loyal to our duty. To not, in the words that Rashi talks about, quoting the Midrash of Aaron and his children, to not deviate from right or left. We don't talk about that a lot in liberal Judaism. From our loyalty and responsibility to observe the commandments. We talk a lot about autonomy. We talk a lot about um, the, the right and responsibility we have to uh, to make sure that our observance of the commandments is in line with our highest values, that we have the capacity to change tradition over time where change is necessary. All that is true. I believe that as a conservative Jew. But there's another dimension of what it means to be a conservative Jew that we often leave out of the equation and we often forget, which is the nature of our responsibility, our obligation, our duty to be devoted to the commandments, not to pick and choose which ones we observe, Maybe as a community to decide what are the ways that we feel we should interpret these commandments in order to observe them, but not to forget that our responsibility still is to show up and perform. Because the world depends on us doing it just as the tabernacle depended on the priests doing it. The tabernacle wasn't complete until the priests were miluim, were set there. It wasn't malay in the same root of Miluim. It wasn't complete until the priests were set there. And, and same for us, this world is not Malay without each of you, without each of us. We, this world is not complete without us being Miluim, without us being not only set here, without us not only showing up, but also doing the job that we are invited and instructed to do. I want to... Uh, put a period on this thought with a sentiment from Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, I quoted uh, just a little while ago a piece of this same essay. I discovered this essay last night, actually. I've had this book forever, and Cantor and I even study from it, but I had never kind of looked at the very last essay in it, and my eyes happened to catch it last night. The essay is called The Meaning of This Hour. It was originally uh, a sermon that was delivered in March 1938 uh, and was expanded and published in 1943. So you have a sense of the hour that Heschel is talking about. Uh, in, in reading it, I discovered a sense that actually uh, Heschel could have given this exact same sermon today and it still would have been challenging and relevant to each of us. And I'm happy to lend uh, 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 each of you uh, this copy at some point or make copies for you. Uh, you can read it during uh, Davening's Day or some other time. It's a powerful essay. But I want to just read uh, these last two paragraphs. Heschel says, There is a divine dream which the prophets and rabbis have cherished and which fills our prayers. 
and permeates the acts of true piety. It is the dream of a world, rid of evil, by the grace of God, as well as by the efforts of man. By his dedication to the task of establishing the kingship of God in the world. God is waiting for us to redeem the world. We should not spend our life hunting for trivial satisfactions while God is waiting constantly and keenly for our effort and devotion. The Almighty has not created the universe that we may have opportunities to satisfy our greed, envy, and ambition. We have not survived that we may waste our years in vulgar vanities. The martyrdom of millions demands that we consecrate ourselves to the fulfillment of God's dream of salvation. Israel did not accept the Torah of their own free will. When Israel approached Sinai, God lifted up the mountain and held it over their heads, saying, Either you accept the Torah or be crushed beneath the mountain. The mountain of history is over our heads again. Shall we renew the covenant? We are called upon to show up, to report for duty, and then to be devoted to carrying it out. God is waiting on us to fulfill that responsibility, and this world cannot be complete until we do so. And so the question before us is, will we show up? Will we report? And will we serve? That is the commandment at the heart of our Torah portion and the challenge before each and every one of us.